I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to All Things Policy. So over the past few weeks, the Competition Commission of India has imposed penalties of thousand three hundred thirty-seven crores and another instance of nine hundred thirty-six crores in two antitrust cases against Google. Now we have with us Anupam Manur to talk about this, and I am Bharat Reddy. So before we get into this, I'll give you a background about what are these two cases and what CCI has basically done. So the first case is about Google abusing its market dominance in the mobile operating system and Android app store markets to gain a significant advantage over competitors in other markets. So the CCI has observed that Google entered into multiple agreements with OEMs which imposed restrictions on what they can or cannot do. Now one such agreement assures that Google's apps such as Search or YouTube or Chrome they come pre-installed on android devices and there's no option for users to uninstall them so other agreements ensure that google search services are exclusive and uh, even prohibit oems from offering devices with alternate versions of android like fork version of the open source code now if any of the oems do not comply with these restrictions they do not get access to google's play store which basically makes the smartphone you know not very usable So this was the first case and the second case was related to Google's Play Store policies which require developers to mandatorily and exclusively use Google Play billing system for app payments in app purchases and everything else. So now this kind of imposes very hefty service fees and which is eventually borne by the end user. Now this is also the reason why in Google and Apple for that matter are able to impose like a 15 to 30% cut on app developers and there's no way around this and so app developers have to comply with with these platforms and overall the innovation the choice to the end user all of these things uh, take a you know big hit so now anupam for you this is like a pet peeve you like to talk about you know platform economics network effects abuse of market power what is your sense of what's going on here and you know cci's verdict on against this thanks varad for having me on this podcast yeah we it seems like we've spoken a lot about this in the last couple of days at takshashila and with our um, uh, tech policy students and so it makes it i mean it it's really interesting the developments in this have been interesting for various reasons we'll get into some of the bits later in terms of change in cci stance etc but just on this i think it's a fairly clear cut move there's no real controversy or complexity here of course google will try to go to the courts and uh, drag this out etc but the idea is that you have the android os which is owned by google and it's pretty much on every other phone if i'm not mistaken 95% of phones in india use android or 97% and only 3% use apple right or something like that which is quite i mean it, that statistic came as a surprise as well so that means google obviously has a massive amount of market power and dominance in that particular market right 
so that is fairly well established and i don't think even google will necessarily argue with that though they are saying you know we are facing competitive pressures from apple and so on which is really funny but uh, you know 3% may not necessarily constitute uh, competitive pressures but uh, okay in the future it might be but as of now at least i think that is fairly well established now the second part of it is that what cca is saying is that it is using its dominant position in the android market to exploit and to acquire and maintain dominant position in other markets right so now it's they're dominant in android they're using that to basically have market to gain market power and maintain market power in the browser market with chrome when the you know video playing there's some really funny OVHP okay which is online video hosting platforms which is basically YouTube and then on things like of course the Play Store uh, on app stores right so at least these three things there are others but let's stick to these three because it seems to be the biggest so one thing that it's obviously doing is that all this bouquet of Google apps that come pre-installed which includes these three things at least Google Play Store Chrome and YouTube which cannot be removed it is the default at the time of installation right and uh, that poses significant entry barriers to others right so the idea is that because you have you know the oems which is basically your mobile manufacturers have a deal with google in terms of getting access to android and the conditions for getting access to android is that these all of these applications come pre installed right so that basically this shows that there is a dominance in the market and b i think it's fairly becoming clear that there is abuse of this dominance in the market right so th- that which seems to be the criteria for well going after tech firm in terms of like in competitive terms right which is that to say that you know dominance by itself is not bad so if it was just that android had 97% of the market i don't think you could have really made a case it's something to watch out for but the fact that that dominance is now being used to create entry barriers in other markets is where uh, it becomes problematic Uh, so on the come up with a convincing argument so ccia has to demonstrate dominance in a market and also the abuse of dominance so when it comes to establishing this dominance in the market so ccia has gone about defining what i mean they have to define what the market is and when google claims that apple is a competitor so ccia's response was that apple is in the business of if i'm getting the phrasing right it's in the apple's business is about providing an integrated software and hardware ecosystem of multiple devices which uh, work well and provide a seamless uh, experience to the user whereas google is in the market of creating a platform where it acquires users and then monetizes you know this large user base to sell ads so is this an accurate definition of market and is this difference distinction that cc has drawn is that valid distinction in your opinion uh, that's a really tough one bharat uh, i'm not entirely convinced by CCI's argument here i mean for sure it seems like i mean they have different business models but to what i i think the com, you know if if you take away all of the jargon the common sense parlance you know the the question here is an iphone and an android phone substitutable and to what degree is it substitutable right and if we think they are reasonable substitute for each other then the market has to be defined at a slightly broader sense and i think in most of these things CCI has gone about making narrow market definition something that we'll discuss later but they have pretty narrow market definitions right and that means that you know establishing dominance is fairly easy now if you just look at 
you know i mean this is the age old question of you know how do you define a relevant market and i think cci has taken a very sharp kind of definition right very pointed sharp and quite narrow kind of definition and so therefore has excluded kind of apple and google as two separate you know entities which work in two separate markets i think that's still up for debate i would imagine that they're not yeah the business models are surely different in terms of you know apple gives you this entire iphone plus mac plus ipad plus this thing plus ios you know that's all supposed to be one uh, thing whereas for example google pixel phone is not as connected to android os right these are two separate things so while that may be the case i would still imagine at those individual levels they are in a way substitutable right uh, an android phone and an iphone is substitutable in some sense so that's up for um, debate and i think that can be uh, discussed further but if you look at the present case on just the two cases that you mentioned right the way that they have defined the relevant market is pretty spot on i mean it it is narrow it is specific but it seems to be spot on so you that is at the larger level what you mentioned about apple and google is at the largest level of these two entities right but at the narrower terms in terms of like the three things that we spoke about right android or four things android play store uh, youtube and chrome that market definition is pretty clear right so they've said you know for example android is in the market for licensable os for smart mobile devices in india it's a fairly good definition fairly broad and then you can clearly see android is probably 99.999% right <laughs> in terms of market power or market share at least um the second is market for app store for android smart mobile os in india now here's where it gets interesting so this is where there can be contestation because there are multiple app stores by the way uh, for android smartphones of course google's play store is the biggest one but it's not the only one i mean samsung will have its one uh, redmi or xiaomi will have its own uh, play store you'll have play stores of different this thing you might have an independent play store etc so there is some level of competition but of course here is basically the crux of cca's argument right because the play store is the default it's pre installed it's the default you can't remove it and uh, it's you know very deeply embedded with the android operating system the other competitors in this particular space which is uh, others which are providing the an app store the tide is against them that it's a, not a level playing field it's unfair to them etc right so google again just to reiterate google is using its dominance in the android operating system to abuse its power and abusing its power in another uh, market which is basically the app store market right and the same thing goes for general web search so google web search is again default pre installed cannot remove then you have web browsers so non os specific web browsers this is where chrome comes in and of course youtube right so in all of this there is significant competition or there are other competitors but again they don't stand a, or i won't say they don't stand a chance but it's very difficult for them because of the abuse of dominance by google right so uh you can imagine if you have i mean how difficult would it be for let's say brave to get on to an android phone when there is chrome already pre installed it's a default etc right and i think that can that that is a uh, non trivial and quite a significant kind of barrier that brave would have to overcome in order to you know compete against google uh, and google's chrome rather so that that i think is the crux of cci's argument right and just a couple of uh, points i noticed while you were you were talking so one is on the definition of market power so if you like android might have a 95% plus market share in india but if you look at other markets like in the us i think it might have a 50% market share and apple might have a 50% market share 
So uh, how you define the market has a very big role in how you establish uh, uh, whether you're able to establish dominance in that market. And, and obviously, uh, within the Android ecosystem, uh, the Android Play Store, I mean, App Store has a very, I mean, is probably the most uh, used App Store. So that that's, and it cannot be substituted by the Apple App Store is what the CCI observes. So they're not substitutes because the Google's Play Store only works on Android and Apple's Play Store, I mean, App Store works only on the iOS ecosystem. So that's one distinction. And how you define the market plays a very big role in uh, how you are able to prove that there is a, a dominant presence of one player in that market. And yeah, so now as we move on, I so you we see that over the past several years, the CCI has usually taken a hands-off approach to regulating tech platforms. It's not been, and if you look at the past uh, data from say 2011 to 2018, it's not been very effective at collecting the penalties that it has imposed. Some of these stats show that CCI has imposed a cumulative penalty of $1.3 billion, but has recovered less than 1% of this uh, total amount. So uh, what does this uh, change in stance of the CCI and uh, what do these penalties mean, like these huge penalties? So it seems huge to us, but it still might be, compared to Google's revenues, it might be a very minuscule sum. But what do these penalties mean and uh, what does this change in stance of CCI indicate? Right. Two things here. I mean, one is just on the penalties and the other is the change of stance. And I'll take these up uh, one by one. So in terms of, yeah, the, the change in direction of CCI is very interesting. And if you would allow me to indulge in a little bit of, you know, again, history and uh, storytelling, then we have to go back to when CCI was formed, 2003, right? And look at how it's evolved over the years. I'll keep it brief so as to not bore our listeners. But, you know, CCI was formed under the shadow of the old kind of competition rules that existed, uh, almost in fear of the old competition rules that existed. So up till 91, you had the MRTP Act, the Monopolies and Restrictive Trade Practices Act, which was, you know, as I think many of you would know, was an overbearing, overwhelming law that pretty much killed all of the businesses in its wake. And uh, it, you know, I mean, it, it was responsible for extremely low growth rates in India and a whole bunch of other things, right? I mean, the MRTP Act was draconian. It, it was a nightmare to deal with and and it would it was the ultimate business killer. Now, when in 2003, the you had a new set of, you know, Competition Commission, a new law passed, which is the Competition Commission Act and so on. There was a change. There was a very clear shift. As I said, it was born out of the fear of the MRTP Act. So the new commissioner, um, the new set of people there, the mandates given, etc. were very different and they were very watchful. So they didn't go about, you know, disturbing and perturbing businesses under the guise of enforcing competition rules unless they could really prove that there was uncompetitive practices. There were things that was distorting the market, etc. Right. So they took a rather labored approach. And I mean, it was very clear to see that they would rather err on the side of caution. I mean, err on the side of, you know, letting things be rather than intervening and causing a lot of damage. And so in, in for 15, 16 years after its formation, I think CCI took a quite a I wouldn't say laid back approach, but took a cautious approach in, in its intervention. So it would 
follow a set procedure it would go about trying to define the relevant market it had to prove that there was dominance in that market then it had to prove that there was abuse of dominance in that market and then it had to you know basically apply a fine and once that fine was applied of course there would be you know complaints or what is appeals etc and ultimately it would get resolved it would take a fraction but there was a signaling mechanism there so it would it was quite a laborious process and cci didn't you know abuse its powers for a long time now in 2000 18 or so i mean I, i don't know exactly the you know the it's not like a transition which is very clear to see but there was a transition in terms of how cci started approaching this and you suddenly see a spike in the number of investigations done right you can very clearly see a spike uh, post 2018 19 where uh, of the number of investigations it say the number of cases it handling the fines meted out the number of times it found uh, the thing to be guilty and so on so that i think is is a very clear transition that's taken place in cci's approach now whether this is good or bad i'll let people decide i mean i'm i have my views but you know <laughs> we let people decide but cci is now taking a lot more proactive approach right now part of this is definitely going into a narrower market definition so one of the things that cci was always finding it very difficult is when it's dealing with some of these tech uh companies or any other companies you'd get lost in this uh, entire debate of what the relevant market is so as we've said you know when you're talking about uber and ola for example one any of us would probably look back and say you know uber and ola are two players in a cab aggregator market and therefore have some kind of dominance whether there is abuse we can look at later but there is some kind of dominance right but immediately i mean the relevant market definition becomes extremely important because uber would claim that the relevant market is just urban transport which means metro bus autos even walking is a competition to itself and therefore it has a very small market share uh, amazon would say it's in market of retail uh, and so all of your kirana stores are in fact a competition to amazon and so therefore you know you how can you prove dominance that way then in seen in that sense amazon would have less than a 2 or 3% market share right but if you look at it as just e-commerce it would have a much bigger so market So in the same way I mean if you look at each one of these things you know how you define the market will go about will massively uh influence how you prove dominance or uh, how you prove abuse of dominance and therefore the cases so until quite recently cci would take a rather broad based definition of the relevant market and therefore would be a lot more lenient in terms of establishing you know the relevant market i think that has also changed in that about the same time frame and as we mentioned earlier you can see that the market definitions have gotten a lot more narrow and if the market definitions have gotten a lot more narrow then proving dominance becomes a lot more easier right so that i think is one other big change that's happened and finally i know i'm speaking quite a bit but finally there's this entire thing about ex ante versus ex post regulation so um again in its cautious phase cci would not move until there is an abuse of dominance so just because a company or a firm or a, any particular service is dominant wouldn't necessarily mean that it will result in abuse of dominance or will result in harm and therefore you know there was no need for uh, intervention as such right so that and only once there was let's say abuse of dominance once there was harm you would intervene you would you know make a you would put a fine etc right but i think that has also changed in the sense that CCI is being a lot more proactive it is uh, looking out for potential harm in the future and then acting in order to reduce that potential harm so we'll we'll leave it at that for the moment let's take a break come back and discuss whether that's a good or bad thing right
So yeah, welcome back. And uh, so we're talking about CCI's recent verdicts, antitrust verdicts against Google. And now when we look at the big tech companies' perspectives, why do they prefer to have vertical integration? Why do they have these restrictions with OEMs? So they claim that there are some valid reasons for doing these uh, things. So for example, in Google's case, they say that uh, having multiple folks of the Android operating system could lead to fragmentation. So you have multiple different variants of Android and having all of these different versions of Android would lead to a delay in security updates or feature updates. And so the users would, uh, you know, suffer from not having the up-to-date security or the features that uh, Android, the latest version of Android has. Another reason could be that having a single app store with Gatekeeper could keep unreliable or malicious apps out. And without uh, someone like Google playing this Gatekeeper role, you might have, um, uh, you know, apps that snoop on what on your, uh, they don't claim to do the things that they claim to do, but, you know, try to do a lot of other things as well. And a gatekeeper would be able to monitor these activities and, you know, kick out apps that don't uh, comply with what they claim to be doing. And you also could have a situation where OEMs could uh, bundle adware and malware into these essential apps uh, that a smartphone is supposed to have. So it could be a browser or it could be, um, you know, the Play Store or or any of these essential apps. And a user is then forced to use, I mean, by default, they would use these apps and they would be giving up a lot of data about themselves to the these OEM uh, applications. The basic idea is that a walled garden that Google has created kind of centralizes control and and power in, in the hands of Google, but it also gives you some security and some reliability. Kind of maybe like you can see it as a trade-off between do you trust a Chinese OEM with your data or if they have their own app store and their own browser and all of that, or do you trust Google to take care of all of your data? So uh, it's it's seen as a trade-off between consolidating it with Google or leaving it open and having more freedom. So it, what do you think, Anupam? How do you see this? Do you think there's a case for uh, the concerns that are being raised here? Or do you think it's just a reason to accumulate more power and control and vertically integrate multiple verticals into their uh, existing platforms? Right. These are interesting questions. As in, I think uh, the, the answer is somewhere in between, right? I mean, obviously, there is some legitimacy in what Google is saying. It is easier for Google to monitor the apps on its own Play Store rather than something else, etc. So, and, and, you know, that makes sense. But I still don't think that's a good enough reason to allow that kind of dominance. And there are two aspects here in my thinking, and there could be many more, but I can come up with two reasons why this doesn't hold. The first one is just in terms of choice. Now, if I want to use, let's say, App Store, which is not of Google, and uh, if I can figure out what um, the potential risk is, then that's a choice that I'm making, right? So if, for example, I know, I mean, people make such choices all the time. People make a choice whether to keep, you know, their money in a fixed deposit at uh, 6% rate of interest or buy stocks, which can potentially give 15%, but downside is zero. It, you know, they make a choice to keep in small finance bank where the risk is higher, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? So I think people understand risk. People understand returns and risk, and so therefore they can make a choice. So, for instance, there is Play Store or an App Store that provides um, 
let's say 0% uh, commission or let's say 5% commission as against Google's 30% commission. Uh, and so therefore, there is less of that cost being passed on to the consumer. The consumer can take that choice, right? Or can protect himself in another way or herself in another way, right? Maybe with the amount of money that they save on buying these apps, they can use that money to buy a good security, this thing, uh, you know, I mean, antivirus and uh, some kind of security systems, right? And so all of those options are there, but you'd only know if you allow the market to function. I, I don't buy this paternalistic attitude of Google saying that it knows what is best and only it can manage all of these things. And, you know, all the customers are stupid and they get, uh, you know, if you leave them to it, they'll install all forms of uh, malware. And I think that choice is important. There are some people who will definitely, you know, who I think, you know, my parents, for instance, will say, I'd rather pay 30% and have a clean experience where I don't have to worry about the security of my phone. Whereas, let's say you, my good friend Bharat would say, I don't, you know, I, I'm a smart chap. I, I can take care of these things and I will, I'll go an independent route. So I, I think that choice is important. Second, I think it's a very flimsy excuse. If you're an operating system uh, or if you're a platform, you can't say that because I cannot guarantee the safety of players on the platform, I, I will only allow, well, my own players. I don't think that is a good enough uh, excuse. I don't think that holds in any other this thing. So imagine if Uber... Essentially, it's the task of Uber in a way, if you look at it, right? It's a task of Uber to maintain safety and security of what happens in the car. They can't say, I mean, they've tried, but it can't work. They can't say, oh, the drivers are independent contractors and they can do whatever the hell they want. You know, if they rob you, it's your risk. They can't. It's their duty to maintain that security. Right. Uh, similarly, I mean, you can take any such thing. If you go to a supermarket, for example, they sell, I mean, a supermarket is a platform. It's an old school platform and uh, they sell all kinds of stuff in their supermarket. But they can't say, you know, I mean, yeah, this could be poison. Uh, it's an unbranded thing. It could be poison. And but it's up to you. Right. I can't uh, this thing. Or if you want uh, complete safety, buy only my products. I don't think that's how it works. And you can't get away with that line of reasoning anywhere. And so I think as part of Google's Android operating system, it's their duty to provide security to, well, different kinds of operating systems. So uh, if it means, for instance, securing the apps and, you know, running it through some kind of checks on apps that are downloaded from any Play Store, that's the job of the operating system. Not the job of something else. I mean, ultimately, remember this, right? I think a lot of people switched over to Mac because uh, Mac operating system is inherently more stable and more... I'm not paid by Mac, by the way. I just use Mac. <laughs> I wish I was. But it's inherently just more stable and uh, resilient to external attacks, which Windows is open to, right? So in Windows, you need to download an operating, you know, I mean, uh, antivirus, whereas in Mac, you might not need to, right? At that level... In just computers, I think operating systems have figured that out. So there's no reason why that can't be the same in, in mobile phones. Does that make sense, Bharat? Right. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think there might be a market solution where there might be different app stores which will compete and some of them might be find a way to balance the security that on one hand and the freedom on the other hand. And also might be able to provide all of these uh, services without have charging these exorbitant fifteen to thirty percent, uh, you know, fees to the app developers. So that might that will come out only if you have uh, competition between app stores. And I mean, I'm pretty sure that there might be a, a solution. I mean, uh, uh, this competition will yield the best outcomes for the end user. And so we imagine, I mean, right now we're still working under the presumption that every other app store will be 
completely you know ridden with malware and it'll be unsafe that need not be true at all in fact if you let the market operate you will have uh, different kind of app stores which will optimize for different uh, aspects you could have an app store which you know which can guarantee the same level if not more uh, level of uh, safety and security as google there's no reason why that's not possible right and you can have you know a mega rating of the app stores as well people will use different things they can rate they can review people you know the shared knowledge and i think the market will develop that way it's developed for pretty much every other thing that we know there's no reason why app store is so unique or uh, you know different from other things it's a platform within a platform and we've seen this market model in many many places right so with that we come to uh, you know a close on uh, you know whatever we've been talking about and uh, so e- europe has generally been at the forefront of regulating big tech and a lot of the restrictions imposed by cci are kind of on similar lines to those imposed in europe now it'll be interesting to see how all of these plays out over the coming years because the digital markets act uh, which is supposed to come into effect i think may next year is expected to bring in a lot of these reforms as well so it'll be interesting to see how all of this plays out and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah any closing comments anupam yeah just trying to tie up all of the different strains right uh, one strain was just on on whether this new change of cci is good or bad just closing comments on that my comments of course you could have a different view and it's uh, it will be equally perfectly valid but my comment is that regulating ex ante is always dangerous the potential for harm there's been a lot of instances in the world where regulating on the potential for harm has gone horribly wrong india again is the best example of that we the entire mrtp act was based on exactly this right that uh, we will not allow bajaj to grow too big because it can corner the market and then hike prices and so you never allowed bajaj to manufacture more than whatever 100 scooters a month and so you don't want that kind of a scenario i'm not saying cci is necessarily going there but just that line of reasoning is kind of dangerous i would still prefer that harm is established and then you know action is taken uh, and if you do it enough number of times right uh, you need credibility so you do it enough number of times then eventually i mean it will start pinching and hurting your tech companies bringing to the second point i think up to you know the last uh, few years i you know all of the fines that europe and uh, india had put on google etc wouldn't pinch it too much but i think that is changing uh, bharat one i think the fines are getting bigger and two importantly all of the tech company i mean if anybody is keeping stock of what is happening with the tech companies in the us all of them have you know reported extremely disappointing quarters and it's projected to be quite bad in the upcoming few years so i mean I, this is a good time to sell your tech uh, stocks <laughs> maybe this is not investment advice but you know uh, tech companies are not projected to do great over the next couple of years maybe a year or two years uh, interest rates are hiking vc money is dried up all of those things that that come into play right which means that Oh, these fines will start pinching them and so you know the question about whether this is enough not enough i mean i don't know what the correct number is but i think it is given that fines across the world on some of the big tech companies will start pinching them and shareholders will start asking them to act a lot more responsibly in order to avoid the fines third europe is a good case you know it, it's something to look up to for india both in terms of what to do and what not to do what to do in the sense that i think Europe has done well in terms of highlighting the problem quite well they study these things quite carefully they release detailed kind of publications on on the data and evidence of wrongdoing and which is great right i mean it, that is what is required for good uh, this thing so i think the process of 
running the competition commission etc is really good and i think that is something that india can uh, look at so having a research team for example looking at where the wrongdoing is happening i think we have not even catching a lot of the wrongdoing that's happening right increasingly we are but there's you know you can do a lot more and once you for example give an order i think that has to be backed up by meticulous evidence of wrongdoing you can't just pass an order right uh, and give a, a verbal statement or a judgment so i think that's where it has to improve but you take it too far you, you know in order to be this ex ante judgments where you you know you <laughs> where you try to weed out potential harm in the future then you'll end up where europe is which is that europe doesn't have a single big tech firm to its name uh, or the ones that are dying um they're not necessarily the startup capital or you know they they just struggle they because of extremely tough regulation so you don't want to be in that boat right so i think you you want to find middle place there and so that also is, gives you enough pause for thought thanks anupam this has been a interesting conversation and thanks everyone for listening in and uh, see you next time thanks bye if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can tune into them on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at takshashilainst or our website takshashila.org.in.